0: your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. We've been in a series on the book of Acts and uh, we're going to stay here until we get through this book. I love doing this. Uh, The teacher in me loves doing this because um, I don't skip over anything and I don't leave out. I don't just stay on my little topics that I like to teach on. It makes me really teach the Word of God. Uh, It makes me bring the whole counsel of God and today is going to be one of those messages. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and say this because I know how the enemy works. Because uh, he tries to use the word uh, against us. And so, I'm not, I don't want this word to come out today. I don't want you to hear it like this. And if you do, you're not hearing it correctly. You're hearing it through a, another filter. So, you need to change tunes and change filters, okay? Because I don't want anybody leaving here today doubting your salvation, okay? But I do want you. If you're not saved, you're going to be saved by the time you leave here today. That's that's the one thing I'm wanting to come across. But if you are saved and you know it right now, um, I don't want you leaving here today going, "Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm saved or not." Okay, because if you're saved, I believe in the eternal security of the believer. Okay, now I'm going to say say something with that is. Because a lot of times I'll get pushback about that. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't know if I believe that. Well, the, the reason why you don't, he, here's the deal. But were you really saved in the first place? That's, that's, the, that's the question, okay? Now, if you're really saved, you're eternally secure. But the question is, is, are you really saved? So that's my question for you today. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what are we getting ourselves into today? This is good. This is going to be good. You need to hear this word today. And the question I had that I'm going to phrase my title in a a question is, Do you have saving faith? And I'm going to show you some things in the word that you may have never seen before. But here's the deal, guys. The greatest sign and wonder, and we've been talking about signs, wonders, and miracles, and it's all through the book of Acts. But the greatest sign and wonder and miracle that we're going to see in these last days is the church being the church. And it not just being the church when it's at church, but being the church when it's out here in the world. And leading people to Christ. And people seeing Jesus in us. That they know that we've been with Jesus, we're acting like Jesus, we're being Jesus in the earth. And it's just going to cause droves to come into the kingdom of God. But it's it's a sad thing when we go to church on Sunday morning and the world can't tell us any different than the world on Monday. And everybody said... The Lord is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it's going to be a church that's holy and on fire for him. It's just like when God called the the children of Israel out of Egypt and when he said, let my people go. They came out with signs, wonders, and miracles. And there was so much signs, wonders, and miracles and that they knew that, that their God was the one true God. It says, the Bible talks about that people all over the land feared them. There's no fear in the church no more. There's no respect of God, and everybody said there's not. And we have got to. It's time for Christians to come out of the closet. Is what I'm saying this morning. I went to a deal this morning or this this week Thursday. Pastor Scott Page and I went to it at the Capitol, at the state Capitol. We were there all day. We listened to some pastors. We listened to uh, our senator. We listened to some uh, people in Congress and representatives, the House representatives. And there is a there's, there's something going on in our capital um, Where there's about f- They said that there typically Had always been a, you know, just a handful of people Meeting for prayer They've got like 40 some people meeting for prayer At the state capital yeah. and, and they're saying that they're, they're not getting political advice They're getting prophetic advice From the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit has given them two prophetic words That Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma Is going to be a city set on a hill and I'm, I'm, you know, most of you know this in here, but I'm in real estate, and I've been seeing people. We have some here today. Well, I've been see, seeing there's something going on in this nation where people are moving to different states, because, and the reason why they're moving is because of values and morals and who's serving Jesus. When I was there, Pastor, uh, some of you know her. that has been in, in, the, in the church for a while. Uh, Pastor Sharon Daughtery was there from Tulsa, and she she had mentioned at the end of this meeting that we had this all-day meeting. I mean, just give me an, just talking about God and country and how our Constitution was founded, you know, on the Word of God. And if you're being taught anything different, it's it's not truth. This this nation was founded on Christian principles. And and Sharon Daugherty spoke had a word at the end of it, and she said that back in the in the 80s, I think it was when her husband was still alive, she said we had a, a prophetic lady in our church that gave us two prophetic. There are a few prophetic words that said in the last days, and she's, this lady has went home to be with the Lord, but she said in the last days, she said, I can remember my husband and I going home and talking about it because they've always been involved in government, and that church has, so and it's time for the church to get involved in these areas, amen. And she said, uh, this lady told us that she said that the Lord spoke to her that in the last days, Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas were going to vote for Jesus. And she was like, she was, but that was back in the 80s, and I was like, what does that mean? And she was, now I'm starting to really see what that means right now. I'm privy to some things, and I just want to share these with you, that God is doing something um, in this state right now from, or from the state government is trickling down. Um, Pastor Lawrence Neeson, who has been here and spoke in this pulpit, uh, Pastor's Destiny Church in Oklahoma City, um, he, he's got a direct line to Governor Stitt. And Governor Stitt called him this Monday. I'd went on Thursday to this meeting, and on Monday, he had uh, Governor Stitt had reached out to him and said, um, "Hey, I need," or sent him a text message, and said, "Hey, I need you to be at the state capitol. I need to meet you at noon for prayer." And so here's where Pastor Lawrence was at. He was like, "I got to thinking." He didn't send out an email because he usually sends out an email or a memo or whatever. And he said, "No, I need you specifically to come to my office to pray with me." And that blesses my heart yes. to have a governor. I don't care what your political affiliations are this morning, but that blesses me that we got a man of God in there. And I had a House of Representative tell us in that meeting that we had said, "Be praying for Governor Stitt because he's getting a lot of political advice and not much prophetic advice." And that day, and but he didn't know that I knew what Pastor that he had called Pastor Lawrence privately and had him come to his office. And Pastor Lawrence said that. He told me things that I'm not privy to tell you, but he is being per- pressured on all fronts. And one of the big fronts is the homosexual transgender ag- agenda that's happening in our nation. And it's, it's trying to come into Oklahoma. They're very militant. They have a war chest full of money, too. And so that's just one of the things that he's dealing with. And so Pastor Lawrence said, I, I was praying over him. And he was just telling me all the things that he's going through. And he said, I was praying over him and his family. And then he said, then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just filled that room. And he said, and I was standing up and I was prophesying to the north, the south, the east, and the west over this, over this state. And God was showing him that this state, God is wanting to raise this state up to be a shining example to the whole nation. Amen. And I want us to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. And so this is kind of where... This, this message is coming out of my, of my heart today As I was reading the book of Acts I'll be honest with you, last week whenever I was I brought a message um, to expect the goodness of God And it's because I was studying the book of Acts And I did not have the mind of the Holy Spirit yet On what He was wanting to show out of this word But I can tell you today, I do It took me a couple of weeks, but I finally broke through And heard what God wanted to say through this So this is, here we go We're going to read Acts 8, verses 9 through 24. It says, and I just want to say this, be praying for our governor, okay? In fact, let's just do that right now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for Governor Stitt. I thank you that we have a man of God in in office as our governor. And uh, Lord, he he is literally the pastor of Oklahoma. And, God, I thank you that he is calling upon pastors and men and women of faith to pray for him. God, I know that he is receiving a lot of political pressure. A lot of it has to do with uh, money being thrown in his face and, hey, do this and you'll get this. Those kind of bribes are going on behind closed doors and under tables. God, I thank you that this man of God is going to do the right thing. God, I thank you we shore him up with our prayers today. God, I thank you that you're going to lead and guide and direct him by your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that he is, he is going to listen to you and do only what you say for our, for our state. And God, we just speak blessings over him, your hedge protection over him and his family. And God, we thank you for our governor today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24. It says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery. Okay, another word for this is, is magic, uh, witchcraft is another word for it. And I'm just going to say this, and sometimes when we read the book of Acts, we're like, oh, this don't go on today, that was back then. No, this still goes on today. Yes. It still goes on in churches today. There's still, there's still uh, sorcerers and, and ma- magicians and all kinds of stuff standing in pulpits today. They're, they're, they're packaged up as salesmen and saleswomen, and they're just fleecing the sheep, and it's, it's sad. They don't know Jesus. Just like this man didn't know Jesus. We're going to see this. And it says, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Okay, He had a God, but it wasn't Jesus. His God was Satan. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So Philip is the evangelist. He's he's bringing the kingdom of God. He's he's a man that is truly saved, okay? He truly knows the Lord. Simon himself, now watch this in verse 13. Simon himself believed and was baptized, I just, I just see law, stop and think about it. I just want you to think about this for just a second because this is where the Holy Spirit had me stop on. He believed, and he even got dunked, okay? He got water behind the ears, and he followed Philip everywhere. But all, and I'm just going to stop right there, but all that was external. Nothing was going on in his heart, okay? I'm just trying to help us get in this story. <clears throat> Astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria, and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John, watch this, then Peter and John, and every theolo- no theologian can discount this. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. How did they know they received the Holy Spirit? Well, you can, you can Im- imply in here that they were speaking in tongues. Okay? They knew that they had received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was giving at the laying on of the, the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He was like, okay, wait a minute. This guy says he believed was baptized and now he's offering him money when he sees this going on because he said he's like this would go good in my show if i could do this this would go really good all right stay with me verse 19 you say this does this really go in the church today yeah it does and he said give me also this ability so that everyone on whom i lay my hands may receive the holy spirit and peter answered I'm going to read this out of another translation later because this makes it just really nice how he said it. He says, Peter said to him, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Wait a minute, I thought he was believed and was baptized. He's telling him your heart's not right before God. Repent of this wickedness. That means repent means to change, turn about. Repentance in the Word of God means that you change. There's a change. Okay, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. He was jealous of their power, and he wanted it, and he was captive to sin. And then Simon answered. Look how he answered, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says this, and this tells you just... Stay with me this morning. Everybody staying with me? This tells you he had no relationship with Jesus. Because he tells them, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Now, I tried to study and find out what happened this guy. Uh, the scripture doesn't tell us. I don't know if he ever really got, truly got saved. But I'm going to tell you right now, based on what we just read, this man was believed, he got dunked in water... But he was not a believer. He did not really know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Based on this story, the Word of God. Okay. Yeah, doing it for a show. No change. Some of you are already getting it. Show. No change. There was just, there was nothing going on on the inside. He did a lot of external things. He went to church. He went to listen to Philip and Peter and John and all those guys. He did all these external things, and everybody else thought he was. He was saved because they saw him, you know, they probably even heard him say the prayer and they saw him get dunked, but nothing was going on in here. Okay. By their fruits you shall know them. You better know who you're listening to in these last days. Because there's going to be a lot of false apostles, false prophets, false Christs rise up. And you better know who you you better know this word and you better know him. Because he is the word. So through this, and I, I wanted to just blast you all today with this, and so that's the teacher in me, and the, I felt the Holy Spirit say, and I told Jada, I was like, I'm breaking this down in two parts, and so this Sunday I'm going to show you the four characteristics of false faith, and then next Sunday I'm going to show you this, because I wanted to do it all today, but next Sunday I'm going to show you the signs of true faith. What the, there, there are signs, wonders, and miracles of true faith when you're walking in. All right, so four characteristics of false faith that we learn through Simon. Number one, false faith has an egotistical view of self. Okay? Now, I want you to look back at verses 8 through 11 in Acts 8, okay? Verses 8 through 11. It says, so there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted, he boasted, that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. False faith has an egotistical view of self. I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound pretty strong. This is going to sound really strong. I don't know how strong this is going to sound. But I would, rather, I would rather be full of demons than full of pride. Because you can cast out Demons. Can't cast out pride. I know that's pretty strong. I don't want to be full of demons either, okay? Just saying that. But, you know, and pride's that one of the... It's kind of like... So I heard a pastor say it's kind of like bad breath. Everybody knows you got it, but you, you know? And, and that's so true. But I love this in Proverbs chapter 6. It says, and, ver, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified version. It says, these, things, these six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. And I want you to notice the first thing he says... A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and under, underestimate others. One of the greatest sins is pride because that's what kicks Satan out of heaven. The, the anointed cherubim. I, you know, and that's a, that's a big theological question. How did that enter heaven? I have no idea how how evil got there, but he wanted to exalt himself above God, all right? And, and that's what cast him, and that's pride. And every one of us in here, if you say, I don't deal with pride, you're pride. You got pride, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now. We all deal with it in some form. It's got many faces, all right? And so we've got to humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing good about Mark Haney. There's nothing righteous in me. It's because of Jesus that I stand up here today, and I know that. And I know as a teacher that I'm under stricter judgment when I bring the Word of God. And so I'm to te- I've to. i asked the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I, just, I don't want to teach, you know, I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. I want to teach people the truth. I don't want to have people's blood on my hands when I stand before Him one day. I'm going to talk more about that here in just a little bit. But I know that I need Him. And Jada knows this. I pray every morning before we come to church. Because I'm a teacher of his word I pray I say God you know, you, I'm your mouthpiece today Holy Spirit teach through me And if, and if there's anything don't, don't let me say anything out of my flesh okay? And I, I pray that every, every Sunday And I'm not saying that I'm perfect Because I'm not mm-hmm. uh, But I, I know that I need him yes. I'm not up here being some cocky I'm some cocky Christian I got it all figured out I don't have it figured out I need him every day Every moment I need him. Right, here's the next characteristic of false faith. False faith has an external view of salvation. There's so many people today, guys, that worship their denomination. They don't worship Jesus, they worship their denomination. Don't that that's not who we worship. We worship Jesus. Don't don't be fooled by somebody say, Yeah, I worship God. Ask them who is your God? Get get down to it. Because sometimes their God's something you've never even heard of. You know. I never forget somebody um, uh, it was a friend of mine who's a counselor, and she said, I, I asked this guy, and he came come in, I said, you know, do you have a relationship with God? And he goes, yeah, I sure do. And she, and he, she goes, who's your God? And he goes, Odin. You know, he, he'd watch too much Viking movies, all right? Uh, it, it, that's not the true. And I know we laugh about it, but that's, that's not the one true God. Right. That was a false God back then, and that's who he worshiped. And he flat out told her. All right, so f- there's a, the false faith has an external view of salvation. So we saw in that story that Simon, that says he believed and he was baptized, but he wasn't a true believer because it was all external. He thought he could buy his way into the kingdom of God. He thought he could buy God's power. You can't do that. Does that still go on today? Yes, it does. There's witchcraft going on in, in churches everywhere all of this nation. It's tried to happen here before, too. When somebody, Mr. Bigs, Big Bucks or Mrs. Big Bucks, tries to influence or, or cause something to happen in the church with their money, that's not of God. Amen? Amen. That is not of God. So false faith has an external view of salvation. I'm going to read verses 12 through 13. We're going to go back through this and just unpack each of these verses again. In verse 12, It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. So there's this, this false faith has an external view of salvation. Not everyone, and here, let me read this to you. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, what? what Jesus said. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons? Listen to this. They prophesied in his name. They cast out demons. And in your name we perform many miracles. Then Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now that goes to tell me, there's some. They, these are people... That believed, baptized, and they're in ministry, but they don't know Jesus. They're just using His name and using His power. They don't really know Him. They don't have a relationship with Him. You're not doubting your salvation, are you? Don't let the enemy make you do that. Okay, uh, because if you're saved, you're saved. These people were never saved. I believe in the eternal security of the believer. The question is: Is are you really saved? Do you really have saving faith? Luke 8, verses 13 through 14 says, Jesus is teaching about uh, his, the, soil, or the soil and the seed. The seed is the word of God. And he says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And verse 14 says, what tests us? Life. We live in a fallen world. I look over here, this whole family's been tested. I've been tested. They're here today because they love Jesus. Amen. They're worshiping God. I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit spoke to me when Jaden passed away. Mark, you got a choice. You're being tested. Do you believe me that I'm good? Yes, God. And I said, yes, God. Thank God I made the right decision because I could have went the other way. It says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word of joy. When they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. And what I talk about this is it was just like when I was sharing at the start of service today, 9-11. When that happened, the church was full the next Sunday. Then, you know, and that was, you know, went on for a few Sundays, and then they're all gone away is because of this right here. It did, the the seed didn't fall on good soil. Sometimes we go through what I, can, the best way I can describe it is a Christian phase. You know, we go through something horrible and we we start going to church, and just because they're coming, I've learned this, guys. Just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean that they're saved. Amen. That's why I, I say that prayer every Sunday. You know, I've had I had and the reason why I was taught this one time there was a guy and I can't remember his name. He doesn't he doesn't. uh he'd moved off but he came here and uh and was in church forever I mean it was like for, and I just assumed this guy knows Jesus and then about a year of him attending church he came up to me and he said Pastor Mark I finally got it and I finally got saved today I was like OMG dude I thought you were saved already you know he's like no I wasn't I was just here attending because I like everybody and I had some friends here and he said, and finally the gospel penetrated my heart, and I knew that Jesus was, you know, he was telling me, today's the day. The word that, when you read this in the, the parable of the soils in the gospels, it's the ones that persevere and endure. Because you're going to go through things in this, in this, in this life, they're going to make you doubt your salvation. They're, they're going to make, the enemy's going to come and make you doubt it. He's going to make you doubt that there's even a God and it's the ones that persevere and endure till the end shall be saved, is what the Word says. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 24 says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Do you know who the narrow door is? Jesus. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not will not be able to. Because there's many people today that believe, they believe that Jesus was a good guy, prophet, teacher, whatever. But they believe that all roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. There's only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus. That's the only way. I learned at the state capitol that there's stuff up in the federal government level that's on the floor that is, they're, they're trying to pass things f- through the First Amendment, that if I stand up here in this pulpit and I say two things, if I say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, then I'm not inclusive, so it's hate speech, so I could be thrown in prison. The other thing is if I don't do same-sex marriages, if I refuse to do that, I could go, they're saying I could go to prison. If I don't. And guys, that, that is on the floor being debated and talked about as I speak right now in our nation when jade and i got off the boat when we went on our alaskan cruise we was in seattle i went to we went to the space needle because while we were there well that's one of the one big things i wanted to see went and saw that it was pretty cool went down to the bottom to use the restroom and when i walked up to the restroom it said men but right underneath it it says if you d- if you identify as something else you can come in this bathroom too and I took a picture of it, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. In all of my born days, I would have never thought I'd see this in our nation. People don't even know if they're male or female. A, there was a gentleman that did a presentation on this at the state capitol that does, has a ministry, in, uh, and if somebody's dealing with that, I've got a place to send you, okay? Because it's a sin just like anything else. And there's a, there's a ministry in Oklahoma City called First Stone Ministries and they deal with... And he had stories and testimonies of people that's been delivered from transgender. And this man was tell, saying this. He said, the reason why people aren't being delivered is because we're not teaching the true gospel. The gospel of deliverance. The the true gospel. That Jesus can set you free of any sin. And so he has testimonies of people being set free from homosexuality. He was one of them. And he was up there teaching this presentation. and But he was saying that, you know, they're there's a there's an agenda going on today that they're very militant about and they've got a war chest full of money to get their to get the job done and they're they're even and there's some people that want to be set free i want to find the ones that want to be set free and i want to show them that jesus can do it right but there are some that don't want to be free they're militant about it they want they want and so there's ministries out there listen they call it ministries. i can using that word but there, there are organizations out there that they're telling them, come to, come to us if you identify like this, and we're going to teach you how to infiltrate these churches and go in there and destroy it. And we're going to sue them, and then we're going to make our war chest even better and bigger. And that's the truth. That's not just happening in big cities. It's happening here in Oklahoma. It's, and guys, we have got to stand up and teach the truth. Full of grace, but full of truth. Yes. All right? Because there are people that want to get set free from that lifestyle. And I want to help them. John chapter 6, verses 64 through 66 says, Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. So there's Pete, and I just want you to, I'm showing this scripture because... Um, because there were people that were following Jesus, hearing him teach, seeing him do signs, wonders, and miracles. And Jesus knew they were just following him for what they could get. They, they were really not true believers. And then it says, he went on to say this, is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him or enabled them. The Father, the Holy Spirit, is the one that draws us in. From this time, many of the disciples these disciples, these are people, followers of Jesus, Turned back and no longer followed him. And the reason why, it wasn't because they were saved and lost their salvation. It was because they were never saved in the first place. And I hope you're getting that. They were never saved in the first place. 1 John 2.19 says, here's John talking about He says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And basically what he's saying there is, by their fruits you shall know them. They wouldn't continue. They wouldn't persevere. They wouldn't endure. Yeah. James, there's going to be things happening. That, guys, I wish I could stand up here and tell you. I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom. But there's, there's persecution coming to the church of Jesus Christ. But I, I embrace it because it's going to make the church get brighter and, and, and holier and, and more saltier and more light. Because yes. if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 8, the first thing that started happening when all this started happening was persecution. Persecution happened, and that's just, you know, and there's going to be things happening, like I'm saying, there's going to be persecution. How thick is your skin? How long can you endure? Amen? Amen. I want to prepare you for what's about to come, that we're going to stand up and fight this fight and bring the glory of God. And everybody said, amen, Amen. all right? James 2.19, you believe that there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. It goes more than that. It's more than just believe. It's, more than, it's even more than just believe in getting wet in water baptism. There's got to be something going on in your heart. In your heart. James 2.14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? No. You got the, if you have faith, if you have faith in Jesus... Your life is going to change. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. None of us are perfect in this room. But there's going there's going to be people around you saying, you're different. You've changed. You've made an about face. You're not like you used to be. They can tell a difference. Oh, I want people to tell a difference in my life. Tell them that they can tell I've been with Jesus. Four characteristics of false faith. Number three, false faith has an economic view of salvation. This is verses 14 through 20, and this is when he's trying to buy. Once you go back and read that, that's when he's trying to buy the, uh, you know, the power of God, and and Peter says, you know, your money perish with you. And this is where we get this this word, the act of simony. I don't know if you have ever heard that, but it's that word is paying, you're paying for a position, is named after Simon who tried to buy his way into the power of the apostles. Does that go on today? Yes, it does. It goes on everywhere today. There are people sitting on church boards everywhere because they're Mr. and Mrs. Big Bucks. Okay, they bought that position, but they don't know Jesus. It's okay, and I'm not knocking if you've got money and know Jesus. That's the best of both worlds right there, <laughs> amen? Okay, and you can live like that too, and God wants us to live like that. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible because this is really strong. Acts 8, verses 20 through 23. And this is where Peter said, to hell with your money and you along with it. Why? That's unthinkable, trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be a part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways and now. Ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. And I'm going to tell you right now, that still goes on in the body of Christ. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of the prosperity gospel that I just don't, I'm not buying it hook, line, and sinker. Does God want us blessed? Yes. But some of it is that they just reek with money lust. I'll never forget one time um, in this church. It was back when we was meeting on Main Street. I had a guy come in on the um, a recommendation from another pastor friend of mine. He come in. We had a night service, I think it was. And um, there wasn't very many people there that night because we don't normally have an, a night service. wasn't very many people there. Had him come in, he spoke. You know, it it was good. It was it was fine. Nothing wrong with it. He's, he taught the word, preached the word. But I overheard him before the service, and I heard overheard him telling his wife. And he didn't know I overheard him, but I overheard him saying, "Oh, this is not my first rodeo," and it was like. Uh, we're here in Podunk Leedy, this is way, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase what he was really saying, we're here in Podunk Leedy, there's not very many people here, you know, let's just get through this, you know, we'll, we'll minister, we'll do whatever, you know, and I'm sitting there going, I about wanted to cancel the service right then after I, I heard that, you know, but I didn't, because, I, you know, my other pastor friend recommended him, and um, we had service, everything was fine, they leave, and, and, and there was what I'm telling you guys if there I don't think there was 12 people there but we took up an offering and we've always had a very giving church and I still remember this number to this day we took up an offering for this guy for 1500 bucks okay wrote the check out gave it to him and left and the next day he's burning up my phone when can I come back I'm not, and I'm like, I'm not having you back you know thank you for coming and ministering but I don't have no I was a little bit nicer than that. But we just don't have no more availability. And and he might be fine for my pastor friend, but he's not fine for here. Because that showed me where his heart was at and where his motives were at. And I'm not saying that he doesn't know Jesus and he's not going I don't know, that's between him and God. But he ain't coming in this pulpit. Because that's somebody that reeks with money lust. That that's the only reason why they're there. I want people to be here that truly love God and truly love people and are going to minister to people. Amen? Amen. And it's my responsibility to guard this pulpit. And, uh, and I don't take it lightly. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not perfect. I know that. But, guys, we ha- you have to be careful who you're listening to in these last days. Yes. Don't believe everything you hear hook, line, and sinker. Don't believe it for me. Go test it out in the word of God. Okay? Don't believe whatever hook, line, and sinker what you're hearing on the media. For good, goodness sake, don't do that. Use your mind. God gave you a mind. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, here's number four. Number four, uh, four characteristics of false faith. False faith has an easygoing view of sin. Yeah, I'm saying it's sin. You don't even hear that word hardly anymore in church. Sin. Yep. Okay? We're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need, that's why Jesus came. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need a Savior to save us from our sins. Yes. I still sin today. There's times I have to repent because God says, Mark, your heart. And he's all, It's not all this external stuff that we, I don't smoke, drink, you know, drink, cuss, or chew or hang out with those that do. And God's like, I'm not cared about that. I want to know what's going on in Mark Haney's heart. Yes. You know, I'll take care of all that other stuff. What's going on in here? What's your motives? Why, why are you acting like that? Yeah. You know? Why are you people-pleasing? That's something that God's dealt with me a bunch about. Why are you people-pleasing? Why do you fear man more than you fear me? You know, and that's a sin. Whatever is not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. And so, and and what he's looking at is in the heart. I'm going to share a big, long word with you today, and I'm going to tell you where I learned this word. I learned this word this week. I've heard it before, but I really learned about it this week. And it was from a gentleman who had been delivered from the homosexual lifestyle. And he said, he, said, I, he, he even said this, I, I would go to churches that taught this, what I'm about to show you, this word. He said, because it made me feel comfortable in my sin. Nobody was ever calling me out on it. And uh, he said so I, I, you know, I sought out this kind of this lifestyle. And this goes on in churches today. And this is where churches are not teaching the truth. And it's called antinomianism. Greek means anti, against, nomos means law. It's against the law of God, all right? And so what it is, and it's real sneaky, it's real, I'm going to use this word, I'm going to use a redneck word, it's real greasy, it's a greasy grace, okay? Okay? And it's a doctrine according to which Christians are freed by grace from the necessity of obeying the Mosaic law. Okay? Here's the deal. Jesus did not abolish the law. He fulfilled it. He was a man that lived it. He lived a perfect, sinless life. That's why he's our Savior. So he fulfilled the law, so the law is still in place. Hello, the Ten Commandments are still in place. Don't commit murder. Try that one today. See what happens to you. Okay? It's still in place. Amen? Amen? It's still in place. So this, this grace, it's gr- Jesus came, and I'll show you the scripture in a second. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Amen. He fulfilled the law. All right. So the antinomians rejected the very notion of obedience as legalistic. To them, the good life flowed from the inner working of the Holy Spirit. You need the law. You need the Ten Commandments. And you need the Holy Spirit to show you to convict you of sin so that you can fulfill the law but do you know that we can't fulfill the law that's why you need Jesus that's why you have a savior to bridge that gap everybody getting that that's why we need that but this doctrine guys is a doctrine of heresy and it's came into the church and it's cloaked in this greasy grace that makes people feel comfortable in their sin that grace that grace gives me a license to sin Grace is not a license to sin. It is not a license to sin. Grace is what sets us free from sin. Not to, not to let you continue in your sin. You know, if, if I'm sinning, I want somebody to call me out on it. Jada does it quite often. <laughs> she, I call her my Holy Spirit Junior. I love you, honey. She'll go, you need to go take a nap. Or you need to go pray, or you need some food. <laughs> you know, you're getting hangry. Kind of, you know. Um, let me read the next. Yeah, I just read that, didn't I? Legalist to in the good life flow from the inner, the 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 Holy Spirit. And so when you hear this taught, man, it just it's, it does sound good, but it's greasy grace because grace doesn't give you a license to sin we will show you another slide on this. Antinomianism, which means against the law, was a centuries-old heresy. It's nothing. It's been around for ages. It was a centuries-old heresy whose basic tenet held that Christians were not bound by traditional moral law, particularly that of the Old Testament. Instead, man could be guided by an inner light that would reveal the proper forms of conduct. Hogwash. I need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me to, because there's nothing your heart, you're left unto yourself, your heart is deceitful and, and ugly and black and it'll lead you astray every stinking time if you just follow your heart. That's exactly what the word says. Guys, we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit, but we need him to convict us so that we stay on that right path. And it's not that if, you're, if, if you know Jesus and you're saved, then you're eternally secure. What I'm trying to get to you, some people have never been saved. So they're not eternally secure. But they think they are. Because they believe this stuff, this, this greasy grace, and I can just live any way I want to, and God's got me covered. No, God, <laughs> no. Full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But you, but we're not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. And it's you, you walk with him every day, and he'll show you. And I'm telling you guys, it's not all this external stuff that we all... It's, it's what's going on in here. It's what's going on in the heart. John 1, verse 17 was a scripture I just alluded to. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law. Thank God he did for us. Romans 8, verse 16 says this. The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. I'm going to tell you this, it's because some of you are like, well, how do I know if I'm saved? The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit speaking to you, speaking to your heart. That's one of the litmus tests that you're a child of God. It's not saying that you're perfect, but you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit telling you, you know, Mark. Uh, if you want your prayers to be heard, you better quit being snappy with Jada. That's the word. <laughs> Jada's going over here. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me that on more than one occasion. But you know what that is? And somebody said, "Well, that's discipline." Thank God. You know, thank God. And whenever he tells me that, that then I also, and then, you know, there's times that he encourages me too. Mark, good job. You did the right thing there in that situation, you know. And I'm telling you about when he convicts me. And that that is a sign that God loves you yes. and that you're a child of his. And everybody said, amen. But he's dealing with your heart. He's concerned about your heart. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. This was not written to unbelievers this was written to believers to people that know Jesus it was written to Christians and it says this examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith test yourselves do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test and you might be saying what's the test pastor Mark well that's next sunday okay cuz I could go on for another 2 hours but but here's here's the yeah I'll come back next sunday here's the deal with what I want you to read is I want you to read the, the, uh, the letter in 1 John, okay, which is five chapters. And it shouldn't take you very long. You can probably read it this afternoon. But I also, if, if you're a reader, I want you to either take a chapter a day or read it. He'd read the whole thing every day. 1 John chapters 1 through 5. And we're going to talk about that next week because in the Apostle John's day, they were he was teaching, he called them his children, he was teaching his children his, the disciples that were underneath the Apostle John, he was teaching them the signs of a saving faith. If you have this going on in your life, not to say that we're perfect, but if these things are happening in your life, then you, you're you truly saved. And so I want you to read that. And, that. and it made me think of this when I was... I was. So next Sunday's message is going to be titled, Signs of, the, of Saving Faith. And if you are saved, this is the little... The, they may be learning this back there today, that little song that we've learned in, in Sunday school. If you're saved and you know it, then your life should surely show it. And that's so true. But there's millions of people sitting in church today. if They think they're saved and they think they know it, but their life sure isn't showing it. And I'm going to tell you right now, based on what we learned today, because you can, you can be a fruit inspector, amen, by their fruits you shall know them, they're probably not saved. Even though I'm not the judge, they're probably not saved if their life is really not showing it. All right? And everybody said? Did everybody learned something today? Yes. Okay. I want you to go home and I want you to test this out. I want you to read this up. You know, I hope you took notes. And um, if you want my outline, I can sure send it to you. Of course, we'll have this on podcast and you can go back and watch it too. But be sure to be here next Sunday. If you can't be here next Sunday then uh, definitely join us online. And uh, I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And if our praise team can come on up here, because we're going to go out with that song today, that third song, guys. And I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And just want to make sure, I want you to leave here knowing that you have that saving faith, okay? That you are a child of God. I don't want you leaving here with any doubts, any of those kind of things, because we had to learn... This about, through the Simon the sorcerer, about what false faith really looks like. and uh, But I want you to leave here having true faith. And that's when you, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, the first part of this is believing with your heart. Not just with your words, but with your heart. Believe in your heart. And so, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And then it says and then the next step that you're going to do is you need to follow the Lord in water baptism. And even if you're, I want to say this too, because I believe there's, there's some people here, that you're probably going to pray this prayer today for the first time that will you really mean it from your heart and you're thinking, you know what, I got, I got baptized when I, was a, when I was a child, so I don't really need to do that again. No, you need to do it again. You need to swallow your pride and do it again, okay? I have baptized people three and four times. You know, we'll do it how many times it takes, okay? But um, if that's you, you need to do follow Lord and water baptism again and we can do that next Sunday. So I want to lead you in this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, Jesus. I need you in my life. I I believe you you are the Son of God and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said amen. Okay, we're going to go out with this song. Um, in fact, we're going to worship this song. And then I'm going to come up here and speak a blessing over you. And then we'll go out, okay? So everybody stand up if you can. If you can't, stay seated and worship. We're going. This is a powerful song,
1: Who could imagine so great a mercy? What I could fathom such boundless? A
0: God is good all and all the time I want you to join hands next to your family join hands with the person next to you, your family and friends there I'm going to speak this blessing over you now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you may the Lord be gracious unto you and may the Lord give you his peace may the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today may the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ, to the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the Word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck, fist bump, high five, and tell them I got saving faith. Amen.